0: Karate in the Garage I'm Cory Cope I'm Freddie Walf After a bunch of Delayed Delayed Delays of delays We are back To finish up Our January Dumping Movies we, This one this one's one We had another one Chosen What was the other one We chose uh, I'm totally, I'm totally drawn. It was about, just, well, a, it was just a matter of accessibility for us. It wasn't right. It, yeah, and, and everybody else obviously would suffer from it too.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. What was it? It was, uh, because it's, it's, yeah, it's, you, you can't find it. It was, was one reason, but also we're also going to have to cut it short because we ran out of January. Yeah. So you will not be hearing us
0: talk about the gentleman. No. We were, well, we can put that in another time. Oh, cause we yeah. didn't even tell you what it was. Yeah, like I said, we have, know. Lot, we have a lot of, we, you know, we're just going to do a Guy Ritchie month. Yeah. Because, I mean, dude, everybody, yes. that, everybody that follows you on, on Insta knows that you're Rock and Roll 33, so we have to yep. like, eventually get on and touch we that.
1: To, we have to do Rock and Roll
0: of 33. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they just announced that Regal took over the Arclight Sherman Oaks, and now they're shutting that down because yeah, Regal sucks. And Rock and Roll was the first movie I saw there. Uh, yeah, I w- I'm super bummed about it. And that, and unfortunately, the last movie I saw there was Rise of Skywalker. So I saw a great movie and I saw a total shit movie. <laughs> sure. Right. Bookends. Bookends. Mm. But today, as you can see, if you're looking at, like, hey, week, Season of the Witch didn't come out in 2011. No, we're not talking about either one of the Romero movie that came out in 73 or shit. What was that? 83? Or, yes, or 83, 83
1: season uh, Halloween, of the- Halloween. Season of the Witch. Yes.
0: Which is still wonderful, and I've never even seen the Romero one, but it doesn't matter. We have Dominic Signe's Season of the Witch from 2011. Yeah. With the cast. I think when we, when we picked this one, we were like, oh, we already know it's Nick Cage, and I remember Perlman, but Claire Foy was the one that surprised me. Yeah, I f- man. Yeah. I totally forgot. Yep.
1: Me too. Like, when when she showed up, because I didn't I didn't even really look it up. I was just like, yeah, fine, whatever. I mean, and I was like, I'll watch it, and then I'll look at some details, and I was like, oh, with Claire Foy, what? You, what? What?
0: Yep, there's there's a character in this. the The premise of the movie is is pretty straightforward. You know, <laughs> these guys come back from the Crusades, you know, fighting for the, for God and everything, and and they find out they've been they murder a whole bunch of children and and women in this last uh, mission that they were on, I guess. Right. So Nick Cage and Ron Perlman, his guy Friday, like peace out. <laughs> his
1: his guy Friday, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, we're we're out. We're out of here. I it guess it's the 13th century thing. So, so it's, there's, there's witchcraft everywhere. I think it's interesting in how they kind of play on that with the movie because when they get the reveal at the end, you realize that, that oh, all right then. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And it was cool. I liked how they what they did. And Claire Foy, ugh, like I would just, we just mentioned her. I mean, the basically setup is that you got these two guys that quote-unquote desert the, their army that they're part of, where they devoted their life to fighting for God. And he realizes that they're not fighting for God anymore. And what's devastating all of Europe is the plague, as they refer to as the Black Death. Right. There's some gnarly makeup effects in this too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and hidden under one of those appliances that really threw me off, because the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, where the fuck's Christopher Lee? I know, right? I know he's in this. I didn't know it was him until the end. Well, I watched the credits. I had no idea it was him. It was gross, dude. I I rarely watch a movie where I see makeup effects like that where I'm grossed out, but I literally can't look. I couldn't look at any any of the characters that were-
1: Plagued out? Yeah, plagued. Yeah, I know. It was so gross. I feel like one of two things happened. Either I've never seen this movie before, or- I saw it and I kind of just sloughed it off in a, you know, because it was when you know, a Nicolas Cage movie came out like every three weeks. Right. It, it just all kind of blended in with other stuff. Cause I wanna tell you, remember I, I asked you, is this Yui Bowl? And they're like, oh, right. Cause isn't there, there's like, um, there's another movie. They, they kind of mixed up in my brain. But we had talked about doing this on, as a disencaged before. Right. It was one of our short lists.
0: Right.
1: What's fun about this movie is, uh, and I'm going to say, did you ever play Dan, D&D when you were young? Yeah. Because this movie is just like a, it's like a D&D campaign. Yeah. We're splitting off. We're no longer working. For, we're going rogue. We're going solo, man. They just go off on their own adventure. Right. You go into a town and now you're hired to
0: transport this witch. Here's what's nutty. We like, so we've done so many disengaged movies. So I, it's not as much of a stretch to say we've done more Nick cage movies than anything else, whether it's a disengaged or just a standard episode. Right. But Starting with Sorcerer's Apprentice, which we did a commentary for, that's 2010. This was the next movie up was Season of the Witch. Then he did Drive Angry, Seeking Justice, Trespass, which to me I've always gotten when to get around to it. Cause but believe it or not, the Nicole Kibbon aspect of it all turns me off. But then we get to Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, and then stolen the next year. So we did we did like we did like we're doing have done four or five of his last nine movies in this stretch, which is right funny. And then right after that's when you Always were on my ass about watching. That's the frozen ground. We've always talked about covering that one too. That's that's like that's a day one one that we haven't covered.
1: Yeah, we have. Well, we'll get there eventually. I mean, it's funny because I was thinking, what else? And we but we did Kill
0: Chain. <laughs> Kill Chain was the first one, wasn't it? And Score to Settle. Score to Settle. Oh my we've, gosh. We've, got, we
1: have, we have, we've done a lot of Nick Cage.
0: That Score to Settle was a fun one because it was just kind of weird. <laughs> It was a mystery. Now, most of the time, we were going. We're, we were our questions were on what's going on in the movie. The Questions were what, the choices that were made in the movie. Like, why do you think what the what? Why are they here? Yeah, totally. Like, wait, is this kid really not alive? What's going? And of course, we were we were right. We made a right. joke about it, but we found out he was actually not alive. Yes, Weird. that movie
1: borrowed literally. That movie borrowed from a lot of things.
0: A lot of things, and it wasn't terrible. No. Yeah.
1: But there's so many that, you know, cause we always court next as well, Yeah, you know, and we'll have to get to that at some point, but back to season of the way.
0: Yeah. We get Patreon going again. Hopefully we'll do that soon. And we can start doing this in cages again. And cause those are always fun. Maybe we'll even do some live this in cages. Like, but you know, right now you're on location. It makes that a little more difficult for us to do that. But it, yeah, it makes it rough. Yep. Anyway, the movies, like I said, it's, it's super simple. We, we've we already set a portion of it up. We introduced the main characters of it, but Claire Foy plays, Somebody that the, um, but what's the town that they end up in?
1: What is that town? Come on. Oh. Yeah. And they only say it like a thousand times. Yeah.
0: They're, they're somewhere not in Austria and, and, um, so they get nailed for being deserters because somebody sees the, the markings on um, Nick Cage's sword and like, Oh, you fucking pieces of shit. And so they lock them up. Then they eventually pull them out. Just like any kind of movie. It doesn't matter if it's the 13th century or the 20th century. We're like, Oh, I need you for something. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like another 48 hours in 48 hours. Like we need you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> to come do this thing.
1: Is it Malberg, Marburg, Malberg, but something, I don't know. It's something like that.
0: Yeah. Something like that. The, the Cardinal DeAmbrose, who is the Christopher Lee's character, again, I didn't know that until the end of the movie. I guess he's hidden under so many gross appliances. <laughs> so, it's so disgusting, dude. Oozing
1: pussy boils. So
0: it's like, if they would have made like just the gross people out, if they would have like had a bladder underneath those and moved any of that stuff, I would have just, I probably would have had to look away.
1: Dude, I haven't been that grossed out by shit like that since I saw the original Dune. <laughs> Oh God don't bring right? I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's that level of
0: disgusting. It is. It's it's pretty gross. They they have this this um it's Anna, right? Isn't that her character's name? I don't know. Do they re this? Yeah. Name? They do. Like, they, they do. They refer
1: to her as the girl. The a girl lot too.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Claire Foy's character has been designated a witch. And they they said, Hey, load her up and Take her over here, because you to the one of the to
1: the monastery, want the to monastery. To, to, that's right. Yes.
0: They they think that the Black Plague has been introduced to to the world by by witches, right? So that's why they're sending them there. There's some really cool stuff, and it's like we were talking before we got on mic about Bram Stoker's Dracula, Coppola's Dracula, and this movie has those moments very similar to that where it's not a quick paced movie, but it's never boring. Right. I'm not saying that Dracula is bordering on that. I'm, I love Dracula, but what I'm saying is it's at a time when you're used to watching movies being just this quick cuts and constant action set pieces. This isn't that. No, And it, it has a great set piece to open the movie, two of them actually, and they work really well. By the way, score, the score in this movie is really good. It's another one of those, one of those Swedish guys that I'm not going to even try to pronounce. Right. But the score really elevates a lot of the moments, the quiet moments and the action pieces at the beginning and at the end. But they got this girl Anne, and they have her in, in this caged carriage, and they're taking her across. The, I don't know how long do they say? Well, they don't really say how long it is. They just say it's like how many days traveling. Yet they go right. through this shitty part of the country. And I'm like, well, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, again, it's like D D. It's a 14 day yeah. ride. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, man.
0: And along the way, Anne is teasing them with basically pitting them against each other. We're still not sure that she's a witch or not because Nick Cage's character is not afraid of her. He's not bothered by her at all, but everybody else is kind of freaked out by her, especially the cardinal that's there with him. And one of the other... By the way, Ulrich Thompson. I love the group of guys that go on this quest because everybody's so good. The kid in this, I'm like, why is this fucking kid look so familiar? Robert Sheehan, he plays Kay in this movie and it took me a moment. I had to look it up because it was just driving me nuts because this is 10, well, 12 years before he comes around to do Umbrella Academy playing Klaus or number four, as you know, if you've been watching the show, and I was like, holy shit, I don't think I've seen him in anything else other than Umbrella Academy. So it was a nice surprise to see him in this a good decade plus before that.
1: What's wild about this? This is a brisk movie too. It's it's only it's like you know a little over 90 minutes. Yeah. It does move at a good pace. Right. It, I don't feel like it's rushed. No. But you you don't need it to be any longer than that. You know, and if you're watching this on I mean on freebie, even with commercials, it was still I want to say well under 2 hours. Right. It was going to watch on Hulu, but Freevee was
0: easier. <laughs> yeah. When we picked this movie, it was on Freevee, it was on Hulu, it was on Tubi. Right, I think it was even on Pluto. I think we said there was three yeah, free, free it was. sources. It was,
1: it was everywhere. And yep. then
0: you could see it on the free Hulu. Yep. Uh, or at least in the non-ads pre, uh, Hulu. I watched it on Hulu and it was a great transfer. It looked really good. But we only lost one of those <laughs> viewing capabilities in between us setting it up and actually recording. So yeah, still got plenty of places to watch it, free and otherwise.
1: I want to ask you, is it is this only the second Dom cinema movie we covered? We've only done in 60 seconds. Yeah. Four, right? Like, yeah. So, that's it.
0: Yeah. yeah I was, I thought, it, I thought there was more than that. I thought for some reason we would have, we had done Swordfish, but I guess we didn't I have some. Big, we
1: talked about Swordfish, I think. Yeah. Probably
0: point. during 60 seconds. Yeah.
1: We also talked about California at one point too. Just, yeah. And that, so, that, right? that
0: movie solid. What a solid movie that is.
1: Yeah. It's so weird, dude. Cause if you would ask me who directed the season in which I have, I, I, I well, as you know, I didn't fucking have any idea it was Dom Sena.
0: Yeah. When, when, right after we we had to pick something different, you were like, you, you you're like, hey, well, what about this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. And then I was, I, dude, I didn't know he was so old.
1: Yeah. I didn't know he was, in his, he's in his seventies.
0: Yeah. He's a year younger than my parents. I was yeah. like, I was surprised. I knew it from commercials and then from, you know. Yeah. I knew it from his involvement in the Rhythm Nation videos. The, the, the long-form stuff that he did, all the black and white stuff he did for Janet Jackson, that's all him, short-form and long-form, because it, it all plays as one thing. But yeah, he did Richard Marks videos, Brian Adams, Peter Cetera, and Sting. I could, of course, it was all black, probably all black and white stuff,
1: too. Right. I feel like you're right. Like, uh, all those videos, when I see them in my head, they're all black and white. Yeah. Was this his last, like, uh, is this his last narrative feature? I mean, I, I'm sure there's something that came after, but right before this was... 2009's Whiteout, which is a disaster it, of a movie. It, I don't know. It, just, it that, that's a movie that I just was like, wow. Um, okay. swing yeah, and a miss. But yeah. I would say this is k- kind of a good rebound. And I don't know that, yeah, again, yeah. you know, you this movie made near a hundred million dollars, which is crazy. On it's really right.
0: Like for a movie that I'd never seen, I was aware of, but i always forget about it until it pops up. Like on, just, I'll see the thumbnail somewhere. I'm like, Oh yeah, that thing. But when I see that thumbnail pop up, I don't think 2011, I don't think, you know, nearly 12 years ago. No. I think halfway back, you know, when he was just where we're we're finding most of our fare of of disengaged uh, uh, content. I feel like that's where it's from that era. But really, it's that beginning of that where he was still kind of, you know, straddling that fence of studio and and, uh, straight to video. And Right. But this is a solid outing. I mean, Cage is fine in it. Yeah. I, I Ironically, people, I think Ron Perlman, if you're going to say there was a performance standout that maybe kind of rubs me the wrong way, it's Perlman.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like at this point, it's just a variation of a bunch of other, of his
0: performances we've already seen. It feels like, it feels like Hellboy out of makeup to me. Yeah, that's what t- it,
1: no, 100%. Yeah,
0: and that's fine. It's just that you have to recognize that and just and get over it.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Look, just go with it. Um, you know, it's weird, dude, as I just realized this was dumb. so he hasn't directed a feature since. But you know, dude, I totally forgot he directed that Tin Machine uh,
0: one-shot video. Yeah. <sighs> I love Tin Machine.
1: Yeah, like a me big, too. a big surprise, shocker, <laughs> <laughs> dude. David Bowie. You, you like Tin Machine? <laughs> Good Lord, dude, I'm fucking shocked.
0: And, and the thing is, like Dom has he definitely has a, I don't know, best way to put this. I mean, he's one of the co-founders of Propaganda. I mean, a big surprise considering all the,
1: all the talent,
0: yeah, all the for talent. Sure. You know, in the in the music video side of it and everything. Like I said, I agree with you. It's a nice rebound. I, I remember when Whiteout came out. I never saw 13 Graves, and I love Swordfish, but if you think about it, between Swordfish and Whiteout, eight years, I mean, I mean, obviously, he kept himself afloat by doing lots of commercials and music videos to a lesser extent, but I remember writing something on Facebook about it. I said, for a movie called Whiteout, it sure could use a lot of it in the at the scripting stage.
1: Yeah, no doubt, right? <laughs> because... <laughs>
0: I, I remember at one point, Melody looks at me and she goes, is this going to get better? Now, it's hard to adjust to a movie like that when you're used to seeing Kate run around in tight leather from the Underworld series, and you get to this, and it's just like, oi. You know, and she's she's a fine actress. I mean, she, did, she can perform well, but there just wasn't anything there. And I kind of felt like it was this back and forth between her in a snowstorm <laughs> holding right. onto a rope between these two buildings. It was so uninspired, and there was a whole fuck ton of money in that movie.
1: When, when the highlight of the movie is Tom Skerritt showing up, when that's all you're looking forward to, because like, I kept thinking, where's Tom Skerritt? <laughs> right? Where's Tom Skerritt? Bring back Tom Skerritt. If you're watching a Kate Beckinsale
0: movie, and you're like, just bring back Tom Skerritt. <laughs> you know when you're asking for that. Something's wrong. And this is something we, we did briefly mention this one when we did our Dark Castle series, because this was a Dark Castle movie. Yeah. But like we said... Back then, our favorite Dark Castle movies were <laughs> of the horror and thriller variety, and this is neither of those. Right, it's,
1: it's, yes, it's neither thrilling. It is kind of a horror show if you have to sit through it.
0: But like you said, season of the witch, great rebound. This is very much in that vein of of horror thriller, and I'm like, and I love again. I, I'm not going to ruin anything for anybody by saying this. I mean, I don't think I am anyway. But we find out that she definitely is not a witch, correct? <laughs> Our friend Anne, once they finally get to the monastery, but everything leading up to that's really solid. That moment in the woods where she summons all the wolves to attack them—fuck, that's really well done.
1: He can definitely stage an action set piece. I mean, yeah. just look at uh, Gone in Six Seconds and look at Swordfish. Yep. I mean, say what you want about Swordfish, but it's, it, there's many, many, many reasons to enjoy Swordfish. Yeah. And one of them is these giant, crazy set pieces. Yeah. If you're a male of a certain age, everybody knows you know what the other big draw is for Swordfish. But
0: <laughs> I'll just, give you two reasons. And what was it? 200,000 per?
1: Yes, exactly. Something like that. <laughs> I would say this movie, like, for, uh, you know, Season of the Witch 4, um, how it was kind of marketed and how it was kind of, you know, thrown out there. I mean, you're not getting cheated. I mean, it has a big feel to it. The action sequences are fun. You know, and here's the thing. None of the actors are hamming it up. You know, no. Except for Hellboy. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, everybody else. And, dude, it's it's one of Cage's, because I had never seen Sorcerer's Apprentice, because I was like, eh, and, and I enjoyed the shit out of it. And part of it is Cage. You know, one of these days, I'm going to actually have to break down and maybe watch Kick-Ass.
0: Oh, dude, he's so great in Kick-Ass. I've never seen it. Yeah. Or two. Nah, or two two's a little bit much, dude. Even for, and I'm a fan of the first one, so. I figured I'll get through the first one first. And Mark Strong is in, and he rocks balls in the first one. He's so good in it, dude. Like, yeah. He just takes Archie and just goes one step further with it. Yeah, it's, he's good. I, you know, one of the things, too, I you know, when I see the, the one sheet for it, it's the Basically, the DVD cover. Do you know? Until just this moment, as we were talking, I never noticed that Claire Foy was in the reflection on the sword. Never noticed until just this moment. But on the box art, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But with the way they do it, the way Cage's hair comes on the other side of the sword, almost looks like it's her hair. It's fucking great poster. It really is.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good poster. It's also weird the way the face sort of comes out of his face. Yeah, it's 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 a very clever poster. I don't think that I ever saw the poster. I feel like there was some other box art. Yeah because I don't even know if I knew about this movie except for when there still were video stores and I walked into one, you know, out in
0: Sand Canyon. It was like, hey, you
1: know, we just got this Nicolas Cage movie. And I was like, what? Yeah, which one?
0: Yeah. <laughs> All of them. All of them. The money was definitely spent on it. It was a $40 million movie. Yeah. And you know, they shot it a whole bunch over.
1: I guarantee they shot all of it overseas. Yeah. And you know, your $40 million, you know, like it's like double 40 million, you know, that money goes a long way. And it's all, And you like I want to say, man, it's mostly on the screen. Yeah. Some of the visual effects suffer from, like we talked about before and other things, that you, some of the visual effects suffer from what was going on in the visual effects world at the time. But I can't be mad at it about that.
0: When they jumped in to start shooting this, they filmed in Austria, Hungary, and Croatia.
1: Yeah, it definitely has the uh, sort of Eastern European
0: sort of vibe to it. I figured it was somewhere, but yeah, I wanted to Because they mentioned Prague in the movie. And I'm like, going, right. I, got, I thought they're just being cheeky about it because that's where I thought that's where they shot it. But no, that's not really. No. <laughs> he had just finished Bad Lieutenant, Port of. Port of Call, New Orleans. Dude, is that 2011 too? Jesus Christ. No, that's 2009. But the, but the, when oh. he went into production on on season, the second he finished that, he, he like, he flew to Europe. Uh, and this is relatively media, relatively media. And then, and now uh, Rogue Pictures as well, that they're the, they're the combined efforts that put this movie together. One of the things too is movies like this can suffer from is where you're clearly outside, out in the open on location like we the three locations we just mentioned. And then when they go to a sound stage, it's like, ugh. Yeah. I didn't feel that. I mean, if the closest I felt that was the bridge scene. Right. And even then I really didn't feel it. Cause you just because you know it's the dumb thing we talked about before (laughs) numerous times on this show our pragmatic minds kick in from being on sets all the time. And, and we, we know, well, we know, I know that's not at, at a real location. I know that's not real. And so your mind's already right. like, Oh, you know, it's a controlled thing. You know, that's a sound stage, but that's about it. Cause it doesn't look phony. It looks real. That's a great scene too, by the way. Fuck dude. I, like there's so much, again, there's so many great moments in this movie. Like I said, the, it doesn't feel like there's a whole bunch of set pieces with this loose strand of story being told in between where it kind of drags. It doesn't have that. It's just, like you said, D and D, since we mentioned D and D, you play D and D when you're a kid, right? Even now, I know it's got a resurgence for a lot of people who used to make fun of us. that played it back in the day. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's cool. I'm, I'm, it's no hate and I'm not hate. And it doesn't bother me at all, but those things don't move fast. It's a, it's, it's a slow moving process. It's an entire night devoted to it. And that's, this why doesn't feel like this movie drags because we've we're used to the slow burn of a story like this. Yeah, it's not great, but it's very enjoyable, and everybody's fine. And again, like except for <laughs> Hellboy, and if you love Hellboy, then
1: yeah, you'll dig it. What's crazy about this? I was just thinking, um, you know, what could you pair this movie with? You there's several Nick Cage movies you could pair but if you just wanted to go outside the box and sort of have a night of this, we had mentioned Lady Hawk earlier, but you know what is even better than Lady Hawk you could pair with this movie is. Paul Verhoeven's Flesh and Blood.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: If you want to watch three and a half hours of people being eaten by the plague in the medieval times, you know, you could pair this and Flesh and Blood and, uh, you know, roll up a character and get with your buddies and, uh, you know, start your own campaign.
0: And we talked about movies that kind of suffer from that, the the early aughts of a visual, the CG effects just being... Um, I don't want to say t- ambitious, too ambitious, because if they're ambitious, they would do more with it. But I think they it become a laziness aspect of it. Like you mentioned Minority report and how effective that is with the overlays. And yeah, even when the wolves attack in this, when they show the real wolves and then that, that immediate violent CG moment in their faces, like you see that like three or four times, that doesn't look bad. It looks good. It works. Yeah. But the reveal at the end of this movie is so Van Helsing-level not good. Yeah, man. I was going to cite Van Helsing for and it, everything yeah. that's wrong with it. It sucks, too, because Phil Tippett's shop did it. And, you know, Phil Tippett is one of those guys that was was able to make the transition from stop motion to CG. It feels
1: like it was outsourced. Like, they, like they said, okay, yeah, you can do it, but you have to do it all. You know, we got to
0: do this on the cheap. Yeah. There's a great post house in Budapest. When you think about when Van Helsing came out and think about when this came out, that's too much time in between.
1: I I want to say that this doesn't, it doesn't look any worse than the Underworld movies. With, I mean, so if you're, you know what I mean? Like if, so if you're into, what was is it? Is it the third Underworld movie? The one that Kate Kate Beckinsale?
0: Uh, yeah, that's the third one.
1: The effects are very similar to that. So if, if you think that's good, then you'll dig the shit out of this. But, you know, just know it's not. Good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: There's a great shot too, when I mean, I'm just going to say it. Okay, this is no, it's not a witch, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not a witch, and the young girl has a de- demonic possession. And I think this is. I don't know. Maybe I, they don't really explain why Nick Cage doesn't isn't scared by her at all. Maybe he senses that she's really there and that this demon is you know that she's really possessed. But you know whatever. Yeah. I think he's still freaked out over you know what happened, killing that woman at the beginning of the movie. But there's a moment where the demon reveals himself and he's like up on the cathedral ceiling. Right. The monastery ce- ceiling. And then like, it's just fine when he's in the shadows. <laughs> yeah. You know, but as soon as he comes down and he starts talking and stuff and it's just...
1: I'm saying what with you, like when it's murked in the shadows and you're sort of vaguely seeing it, it it works. Right. But the moment that they, when they're doing what they think,
0: oh, here it comes, here comes the big reveal. And you're like, what the fuck? Go back into the shadows. It was so right. much better. We were talking about Coppola's Dracula Bunch. One of the things that m- makes that movie so effective is the play with light and shadows. Yes. Like when Keanu first had, is, introduced himself to to Dracula, like with his shadow, just that harrowing shadow of his. Am I like going it was showing his true intent. Why couldn't they just put the demon in the shadows? <laughs> yeah, man. I, I didn't need to see him. No,
1: no, no one does. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, I feel like this suffers from, you know, the more sort of modern approach where you've got to show everything. And I you mean, know, oh, here's the big reveal. And here's what here's where we've designed this. We've over-designed this creature. Who's not scary. Right. <laughs> yeah. Overall, this movie was a lot better than I, re, you know, that I, I I was thinking it was going to be the, you know, okay, we we were doing three good movies and
0: then right. one clunker, but I, it's not a clunker, man. I don't think it's a clunker, no. Me I, either. It, And that's good. I'm glad. We I'm, glad. I'm glad we didn't do a disengaged for it. I'm glad we didn't because uh, there's something fun about the disencaged is because they're so goofy.
1: Right. We. I don't think we, I think we would have been fairly silent. But it would have been a very boring episode. <laughs> Right, because I think we would have just been watching the movie, and like every once in a while we'd be like, "Oh no, go back in," you know, go back in the shadows. But I mean, yeah, it's definitely not that level of um, camp. I could recommend this movie is better than ten other movies of this type that I kind of thought were okay. This is better than that. It's better than most of those. I want to say the other thing I kind of thought about when I was watching this. Was that, was, is it Rain of Fire? Is that the Bale, Woody Harrelson? Yeah, yeah. Because so, I feel like there, maybe Rain of Fire was a little bit before this. Still, that sort of level of enjoyment for me.
0: Yeah. I don't know how you feel about Rain of Fire. I but know, I love Rain of Fire. Because, dude, come on, I love Dragon Slayer. So it's like, to me, it's yeah, like it's an extension of that. That's two times now where the dragons have done, been done so fucking well, and I love it. If you guys remember, Joey and I did a Disengaged we son of disengaged, and we had to call it. Be, we had to call it that because we started watching Outcast with Nick Cage and Hayden Christensen, and we were like 12, 15 minutes into the movie, and we had to stop because just like this movie, it was good, right? It was entertaining, and I'm like, shit, I, I'm this is going to be boring, so we stopped and watched Sharknado instead. So if that's the Sharknado episode, you seek that out, then you'll then you'll hear it, but. It's the same kind of thing. You you, you see this, this is because this is the movie I was talking about. This, you know, Outcast, that 2014 era was what I was referring to where he was doing a lot of those I'm catching up on my taxes kind of movies. And, but this is not that. This is a good time. It's fun. If you want to see something of that Nick Cage is in that you've never seen before and it's entertaining, this is it. And, you know, you can watch it for free. Yeah. So all it is is just 95 minutes of your time. Well, and probably 100 minutes of your time, right?
1: Yeah, I mean not even maybe I would say yeah. You know, there's probably five minutes of
0: commercials yeah. throughout this whole thing. So yeah, right around a hundred minutes. It moves briskly. It's a cool ninety minutes. Um gives you time to go get a quick snack in between. Yeah. That that's like we talked about before. It's it's actually fun to kind of watch movies on freebie or watch them on Tubi or Pluto right. with the commercials because you get that that sense that back in the day when you used to watch those weekend movies that were in the on the afternoon where you can get a chance to go pee and grab a snack on the way back.
1: Yeah, I feel like two of our three episodes this month. That's exactly what because I watched Tremors on Tubi. Yeah, and it, it's kind of fun, weirdly enough, to like, it's it's like harkening back to the days when we were watching things on TNT or you know right. where you would get commercials. Right. So,
0: yeah, and, and this is perfect for that. I think so too. But dude, this is this is a fun one. This is a good one. It, it's definitely one that you that will surprise you because it did us even after I gushing over this. And again, I wish Claire Foy would work more, honestly.
1: Yeah. I mean, she comes and goes in waves. I feel like there was one year, a few years back, maybe 2016 or 2017, where she was in like six movies. Yeah. Isn't she in uh,
0: Girl with the... No, no, The Spider's Web. Spider's Web. Yeah. yeah. The Fede Alvarez one, right? Yeah. Yeah. From like four or five years ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and in that year, she was in four or five movies. And then, you know, then you don't see her for a few years. But I really enjoyed like her performance in this. I thought it was fun. Cage, you know, dude. even in a bad movie, I love Nick Cage, as as everyone knows, as do you as well. Right. This is a movie that I don't know why it took me so long to get around to it, because I either just lumped it in with some other movies that I watched at the time, or I never had seen it. Because there were moments I'm like, I don't remember this. And then there were moments that I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I, I do remember this. Am I remembering him from another? is I remembering it from another movie? Yeah, but it's definitely worth a watch. It's not
0: the clunker that we were throwing it out there to be for sure. No, it's a good time. Now I'm wondering something. Like I was just kind of looking at Claire's like rundown because she was on The Crown. Yep, which is and she was a regular on that. The first two seasons, she's part of the main cast because she's playing Queen Elizabeth II. Because she did SNL and she hosted SNL in 2018, and I'm trying to figure out what she was doing at that time. Well she was in First Man, right? The the Damien Chazelle movie. And that's that's the only thing I can think of that, that could have been had to have been what it was.
1: I mean, I know you price it, but uh, dude, I love Unsane. I've
0: never seen it actually. So
1: the Sutterberg movie that she did?
0: Yeah, I've never seen it.
1: Oh, dude, if, Unsane is really fun, dude. It was all shot with iPhones. But um, yeah, Unsane is on um, Hulu as well. It's a, you should see
0: it, dude. I think you'd dig it. I, I remember that because there was an SNL connection to that because of like, Jay Farrow's in it, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, yes, he is. So, yeah. So, and, Juno, and, uh, Juno and Juno Temple. And Juno Temple. Okay, like, like I need another reason to watch it, right?
1: Right. Let <laughs> me give you one more reason.
0: <laughs> I love Juno. She's great. Uh, so, there you go. Yeah. Season of the Witch. 2011. 2011 Season of the Witch. It's everywhere. Damn it. It's currently on Hulu. Peacock, right? It was Hulu. On Pe- Freebie. Freebie.
1: Peacock. I think it was uh, Peacock, yeah. And I think it's still on Tubi.
0: I just watched it and say it was, but maybe it is. It's usually pretty accurate. But it doesn't matter. You'll find it because if any of you've got access to any one of those services for people up in Canada, because there's no Hulu you're going to have to go with. Freebie. Freebie. Good time to be had. And we want you to guys enjoy this. Again, this is not... No one was more surprised than we were. <laughs> this, was, right. this was really good. Or not really good, but very entertaining. And so I hope everybody enjoys it. And uh, yeah, so we'll get to Gentleman at a later date. Yes. Yes. Gentleman was a movie dumped in January. January 2020. It was wonderful. Introduced Joey to it just recently, and he loved his shit out of it. That's his first Guy Ritchie movie that wasn't a Sherlock Holmes, and he loved it. So there you go. Anyway. We love gentlemen. Watch it. Check it out. <laughs> Until we actually cover it. Until we talk about it. Yeah. So if you want to follow us on the show on, on the Twitter, it's at Pod. Same with Insta and Letterboxd. If you want to follow Corey on Letterboxd, it's Corey underscore Culp.
1: If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Rock and roller 33 on your Instagram. Or you can follow me as Tom Cody on Letterboxd.com. That's yeah. Tom Cody at Letterboxd.